Hi guys, welcome to the fourth episode of El Metamorpho with Deshawa and today I have two extraordinary ladies with me, two extraordinary mothers, two extraordinary wives and they're going to be having a conversation and basically I think the reason why I wanted us to have this conversation is because I personally feel like parenting is a tough job in this generation, I can't lie. You can say that again. And I feel like there are so many things that our parents probably did not have to deal with that parents have to deal with in this generation. So I just thought, you know, we could have wisdom. What's that thing? That hashtag. Wisdom, wisdom. He was wisdom. <laughs> how, to, how to be able to handle this parenting thing in our generation. So I'll just let them introduce themselves now and then we'll dive right into conversation. Let me start with Tope. Hi, my name is Semetokpe Otegbe and um, I'm a mom of two kids and it's been an amazing journey being a mom. It's, um, we have to ask God every day for direction and instruction. So basically that's who I am. I'm a daughter of God. I enjoy life. I enjoy living life to the fullest. Yeah, that's about mm. it. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Okay, room care. Hi, um, hi everyone. My name is Mamrunke Oshimbrawa. I live in the UK with my husband and two daughters. We moved there five years ago. Um, my first child is going to be six next month, and the second also will be three. So at the moment, they are five and two, coming up to six and three. I'm a Christian and uh, a doctor. Thank you. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Okay, so let's just dive right in. So um, the first question I have is, um, did any of you experience the relocation with your kids? And, you know, how was that experience like for them? How were you able to incorporate them into the whole relocation process? Did you have to lecture them before you left on, you know, you're taking this big step? Like, what exactly did you do to be able to, like, incorporate them into the whole process of relocation? Let me start with okay, you. Um, I guess I'll go first. Okay. I relocated yes. with my two kids. Um, at the time mm-hmm. we did, my son was four. So he was pretty mm-hmm. much aware of what was going on. And he was, he was um, of course, super smart enough to know. Of course, we told him, <laughs> but it wasn't at the very beginning. It was when he was close to leaving. Because, you, know, okay. you know, children, the children and their big mouth, right? <laughs> but then I remember the first day I, told him, I said, you know what, it's a secret. We don't want to tell anybody yet until we get a lot of it sorted. So he kind of had it in his mind that he was going to, you know, leave Nigeria and start afresh somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I was actually excited. But mm-hmm. I think for me, the down part was within reorientating him about the cultural change and the social mm-hmm. differences. So we mm-hmm. had to learn that when we got here. It wasn't okay. a smooth sail, <laughs> but we eventually got to it. <laughs> we'll still get, we'll get deep into that. Don't worry. Okay, Ronke, do you, do you have any experience yeah. with that? Well, to be honest, um, it was very, it, that aspect of it was easy because I only had one child at the time who was one year old and mm-hmm. did not know the difference between wherever she was. She couldn't tell the difference. So that was quite good. It was smooth. At least for her, it was smooth. <laughs> For us, of mm-hmm. course, we had the we had the usual challenges with relocation, which is you know, a new environment and all of that. And then mm-hmm. You don't have the usual family support and uh, 
you know, the societal differences. I mean, that was challenging, but we didn't have that issue with her because she was only little. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, talk about um for your own kids. How um, like you were saying that your son was excited. Wasn't all sad to leave his school, his friend. Uh-uh. Amazingly, it was not. That <laughs> boy is different. Is is a grown up in a little child's body. It wasn't. That's for interesting. It, <laughs> it, it didn't. It was. It was such a long flight. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He didn't blink. He, he said he didn't want to sleep because he was excited. Oh mm-hmm. yeah! Wow. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, kids, are, kids was... are generally very resilient, isn't it? They're resilient. They would just they would get on with anything, really. I agree. I okay. agree. Yeah. So, um, how about you as the parent yourself? How did you like you know handling the old, maybe creating new routines? You know the struggles with creating maybe new diets, having new food stuff, and all of that. How was that phase for you? Oh, it was, and it is still. I wouldn't say I've totally overcome that yet because mm-hmm. um, to date, my son still doesn't eat the food that is being served at daycare. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still part of the struggle that we go through every day. But my mm-hmm. daughter is way well adjusted because she came when she was just one. So, yeah, she eats everything. But for my son, we still have to, like, he's still, he's still into his Nigerian meal. Basically, there's really nothing you can do about that. <laughs> but other than that, for us, the parents, it was more like, okay, what do we do now? Now that we are here, you know, what do we go? Where do we go from here? How do we adapt? Mm-hmm. How do we make new friends? How do we ensure that we surround ourselves with people of like minds and um, like faith and um, like vision and like values? So for me, those were like the priority things that were in my mind. And mm-hmm. the concerns that were in my mind at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Ronka, do you have anything to say? I know that yours was like less I mean, than one year. Said, yeah, I mean, oh. she was only little and, you know, getting mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was lonely. The challenge I had initially was loneliness. You know? Oh, you can say that again. Yeah, it was lonely. I mean, for the first <laughs> six months, because my I wasn't working the first six months we were here. Mm-hmm. And my husband was working a job where it would be at work for a week. And mm-hmm. I'd come home. And then he would have mm-hmm. a week off. So when he had the week of being at work, it was just Tony and her. I, mm. So we just spent a lot of time going for walks and stuff, watching telly. And that felt quite lonely. But by the time I started working and going out more, I'm an extrovert anyway. So as soon as I started working and going to church and going out more, things really sort of picked up quite, quite quickly. I think it was loneliness that was a real challenge. It wasn't difficult getting her into a routine because she was only one, you know. Mm-hmm. She, she was just little and that wasn't difficult but the real challenge was the loneliness and not having that you know social support not having family mm-hmm. and stuff but mm-hmm. it went by really quickly if i'm being honest it went by really really mm-hmm. quickly <laughs> if i if i just want to touch on that if um you were to like advise or give um like a word of wisdom for somebody that is at that stage now wisdom wisdom how how were you able to like handle that six months like realistically how what were things you did it might sound very cliche mm-hmm. but i was going to church a lot okay and i don't know this is not an advice that might not be for everyone mm-hmm. i had a church i in fact i it was interesting let me tell you a short story when before i got married i used to attend christ embassy 
Then I went mm-hmm. to a different church with my husband. And mm-hmm. in the time that I was, um, so after we got married, I used to listen to a lot of Christ Embassy messages and stuff. And I was still involved with Christ Embassy. So when I came here, and my husband doesn't go to Christ Embassy. So when we moved here, where we were staying there, there were two churches that were close to us. There was a Christ Embassy church and another one. But I thought, oh, my husband doesn't attend Christ Embassy. The other church, I wouldn't want to mention the name. He, I knew that it would be more, that would be more, he would probably accept that more. So on a Sunday mm-hmm. morning, I had the two addresses. And I just really prayed and I said, God, I want you to send me to a church this morning. It wasn't around. So I took a taxi mm-hmm. and I was going to that other church. And I got to the venue and I, it was the address. I was there. I walked around the building. I couldn't find the entrance. I knew the wow. building was there. I walked around. I couldn't find the entrance. I called another taxi and I went to Christ Embassy. That's it. That's and it. That's it. That was it. It was just, and as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as I walked into that church, Julie Spirit said to me that this is where I want, I you, want to you to be. And those yeah. six months being involved then, it was, it was actually, I could say that it was, it was very important in my life. I needed oh. to be there. I needed to hear the words I was hearing then. I needed to do mm-hmm. the evangelism I was doing then. I needed to be involved in the things you know that were important to me at that time. So really, I did a lot of church. I did a lot of evangelism. I did a lot of activities in church. And I prayed a lot. It was Honestly, that was what I did for six months, really. I was just going through <laughs> it. Was a <laughs> I was just going, yeah, it was a growing phase for me. It was a growing phase for me. Really. So I'm okay, sorry, man. I might not be able to advise someone who is not <laughs> touching in that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> but you know there's quite a lot of things if I have to be honest quite a lot of things you can do in that phase there's a lot of, thankfully there's the internet there's a lot of learning on YouTube it's just finding yeah. what interests you if you're waiting for to get a job there's a lot of things you can do online there's a lot of learning a lot of courses you have to know that you know this can be a bit lonely you know but it doesn't last very long as soon as you get integrated into the society things just get better Right, right, right. Just had to um what Ron said. Honestly, I don't think we can give uh, a one size fits all advice Mm -hmm. because I realized that we are all in different journeys in our life. So God might take you. Okay, I'm sorry for maybe spiritualizing this. I I said I wasn't (laughs) gonna, but you know, God might take you from a place and um it, it drops you right down somewhere. And at that time, mm-hmm. honestly, he doesn't want you to be with friends. He wants you to be with him. Right. And for mm-hmm. some, for someone else, it might just be, God, I said, you know what? You've had enough of where you are coming from. This is your launch pad right now. So mm-hmm. I think we just need to know what phase of my journey am I at and what am I supposed to be doing? And I think mm-hmm. another most important thing is that you have to be comfortable in your own skin. You have to be comfortable being by yourself. Yeah, right. You know, right. I, I can't imagine Ronke going through that phase and um, not even having anybody to talk with. The first yeah. thing was that she was comfortable being alone. Right. You know, yeah. if, if we are able to, you know, um, break through that, then every other thing is easy. Yeah. When, when I came to, I didn't have, I didn't have family, I had nobody. You know, the only person I thought I had, you know, we couldn't, we we're not even on talking terms. I was like, okay, God, fine. Okay, this is working. <laughs> this is working. I thought <laughs> I knew someone, but right now I don't know anybody. But I told myself, you know what? I won't push myself into any friendship. I won't, yeah. I won't um, do more than I would usually do. You know, mm. this is my temperament. I won't go out of my way to, you know, be extra. 
And the amazing thing is, at the right time, God began to place people in my path. And it's just been, mm. whoa. Right. Yeah. So I feel that, you know, at every point, decide on whatever your journey is at that time. What do you need to do? You know, like Wonka said, you could do online courses. You could do nothing. Doing nothing yes. sometimes is growing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Accepting that you can actually do nothing and be fine is a growth phase in itself. Yeah. You know? Right. So it, it, it really would vary for every individual. All right. So the next question. So um, I want to take you guys to um, schooling and how you guys were able to, you know, make decisions around the school your kids were going to go to. Wasn't it maybe like criteria for the kind of school you wanted your child to go to? And then being a new place, a new environment, what, what did you know? <laughs> like, how were you able to make those decisions? You know? Let me start with Winker. Okay, so um, because my daughter wasn't going to school in Nigeria anyway, she was just going to a nursery. Mm-hmm. And when we moved, I mean, in the time that we moved, before she started school, we had moved houses three times. Because mm. we just kept getting different jobs and moving from one place to the other, which was quite stressful. Right. But when we moved to where we are now, which is when she was going to start school, I, mm-hmm. I talked to people because I was going to church in the same, I was going to church in the same city, you know, that we were moving to. Because we mm. live just 20 minutes away. So I talked to people in church and I asked them, okay, what are the things? Because the educational system here is different from Nigeria. I mean, if it was in Nigeria, yeah. you could easily just say, oh, I know these are the good schools and all that. But here is a big difference. Exactly. And everyone has different opinions. When you ask three people the same question, they're going to give three different answers because their opinion is <laughs> different, you know. And we mm. wanted to know, you know, should she go to private school? Should she go to a state school and all that? So we asked people... Mm. I went online, I read, listened to different people and their opinions about stuff. And then we asked people, and then I checked. So I checked the schools because most of the schools have to be like around your house with a postcode and okay. everything. So I checked schools that were in our catchment areas. And I just looked at all of them. And I looked, I went online, read about them, read their reviews, and I read their upstairs, mm-hmm. which is like the, the general, um, like the system that reads schools. I read the upstairs reports and all that. Okay. So I just, there was a particular one that I saw that I thought was best. And then we had friends who had their kids in that school. So we decided, okay, mm-hmm. she was going to that school. But the interesting thing was, there is a school that is closer, just slightly closer to my house than that school. And mm-hmm. it's also, it's a Catholic school. And I think that if I had found that school before I found the one that she is now, we probably would have mm-hmm. sent her to that high school. But it was something we mm. prayed about. And I just said, God, I want you to guide us, even with all of these decisions. And then after mm-hmm. a couple of, must have been almost a year before I found out that this other school was close to the house. Mm. And then I said to my husband, I, I Googled it. I searched everything. How did I know this school was there? And he <laughs> said to me that because God wanted us to be in this particular place. And right found that school, you would not have listened because I went to a Catholic primary school. I'm somehow biased <laughs> to work at Catholic school. You wouldn't have listened. And I think that was really, that was really what happened. That was really Okay, so basically, Ronke, what you're saying is that literally you went out to search for information about schools yeah. and then you trusted Agreed. God for yeah. against. Okay. Yeah. Nice. How about you, Toppe? So, um, for us, it was um, a well, living here in Canada, it's almost always straightforward for schools, except you want to do the extra work of dropping off your kids. So what I mean is you have two options. You either go with a public school or go with a Catholic school. 
and I made up my mind from the very beginning that okay, I wanted a Catholic school, right? So when we came, you just need to find out what Catholic school is attached to your catchment, like Unke said, and that's it. So it wasn't even my son started school like the following week we came, so we didn't have to. We didn't. I didn't have the luxury of time to wow. you know to search and all of that. So I guess it was even tougher wow. for him. Because he had not even adjusted to the weather yet, or the season yet, or to the dark days yet, <laughs> mm. and he was already in school. Oh, that's tough. Well, yeah, it was tough for him. Wow. It was it was a tough, <laughs> it was a tough first few months. Wow. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so that, actually, that actually takes me to the next next question, which is like, what were the struggles your kid had with you know, or talk about for example that they were coming from totally mm-hmm. different school. Mm-hmm. Like, how did they adapt to, you know, just being maybe the only black child in the class or the weather or stuff like that? How were they able to adapt or how did you help them adapt to that period? Hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> Where do I start from? <laughs> okay, let me just say, maybe I'll talk about one or two or maybe three. <laughs> so um, the first struggle he had was fitting into school buses. He was never a school bus person. He never did school bus in Nigeria. I dropped him yeah. off and I picked him. But right now, he has to be on the, in a single straight line and file into the bus. <laughs> and, you know, my son is such a boisterous, super energetic human being. So he's, he's staying on the line and he's probably pushing this person to the side, pushing that person to the side. Which is and, not you know, allowed. Which is not allowed. So I had a lot of complaints at the very beginning. And then he gets to school. He never learned how to put on his shoes. Maybe that was my fault. I don't know. It just, so, you know, there are some things you just overlook in parenting. And then it's until someone else pointed out to you that you realize, oh, my God, it's an issue. Right? So he never learned how to put on his shoes in himself. And then we came, shortly after we came, it was already snowing. So he has to have the snow boots get to the yeah. school and then change his shoes to the indoor shoes and then oh my god it was always a mess yeah. sometimes they say he wears his snow boots all across the oh. school all right in the oh. class oh, and boy. then what else can i remember you know back in nigeria once you drop off your kids um at the gate because i was mm-hmm. always in a hurry anyway there's a teacher <laughs> station there that will pick up your kids from you pick up their bags from the boots mm-hmm. and they just walk away you know they, they just they live like they were kings, but here you have to carry your bag <laughs> yourself. <laughs> nothing for nobody. Nobody's <laughs> doing nothing for you. It was a struggle. So he gets to class and drops his bag right at the door and then walks away. And they're like, "Young man, come and pick it up." And <laughs> oh my god, it was just so untidy, you know. And so that was one aspect of him, you know, blending and fitting in. And another mm-hmm. aspect is um, the fact that I think in Nigeria we're a lot more focused on educa- on formal education, if yeah. I put it like that. Yeah. So he knew a lot of letters, numbers, alphabets, but zero social etiquette, like his um, mm-hmm. teachers would say. You know, mm-hmm. so some basic things that he expected him to know, like cut a, cut a paper across a straight line. Oh my God, he's going to tear it up. But if you tell him to come and count or read or write, mm. he's there. Yeah. And I realized that was maybe like 10% of their entire curriculum. They were doing <laughs> a whole lot of other things than he was used to. Yeah. So those were the challenges. Looking back now, I think I would have rather stayed maybe a month, allowing him to integrate into the society before, t- mm. before letting him go to school. It will have mm-hmm. helped a lot. It will have made a mm-hmm. lot of difference. 
Mm. Yeah. So literally, you're saying that um, it would have been better for you to have integrated him first, like maybe take exactly. a month. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, integrate yeah. myself and then integrate him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because sometimes okay, how about you? Even... Okay. I mean, okay. you know, you we didn't have... I didn't. Yeah, you know, I didn't have that. I didn't have the. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but now, what are the Oh, you mean you mean cultural struggles? No, 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 I no. Mean, what are they like? Maybe is that still something that your kid is still struggling with as a today in school? That no, you feel like I mean, the person with the Niger won't be like that. No, I mean to be honest, they are not behavioral. The things that because she more or less grew up here is how it has been, and so the culture is the only thing that she knows. Whereas mm-hmm, when she yeah. goes to Nigeria, when we went to Nigeria um two years ago, a year ago when we went to Nigeria, she was. She wouldn't understand. She wouldn't understand. What was the going Nigerian. on? You couldn't understand the Nigerian. You have to Yeah, you want to come and touch you and pull your cheeks, and you know, yeah, everyone gives you a personal physical space, and no one is in your space. Mm-hmm. So we used to yeah. That. And then at the airport, we landed, and everyone is pulling her cheeks and saying, "I'm touching her." And she was just like, she just she was just really scared. And two hours in Nigeria, you know, she didn't. She tried not to talk to people because she was just, she was just scared. Really, she wasn't comfortable. He said, Mommy, why is everybody touching me? Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, so. So I you can imagine the, the reverse was the, the case here. When we came, mm-hmm. my son was just like, Oh, see this girl here is so long. And he touched this girl here. And you get a complaint. Yeah. And the next day, he said, Oh, see this. And he touched this. And they get a complaint. Oh, my God. <laughs> my friend is yeah. well, how, did you how did you deal with that stuff where we, like, like those kind of things, like getting complaints, like the time they complained about him dragging his shoes all over. Mm. How did you deal with that? Honestly, it was tough. I won't, I won't sugarcoat it and say, oh, it was just a walk in the park. It was tough. I, I think at first I didn't fully understand what was going on myself. So I was taking it out on him. Why is mm. it? What is it? Why can't you yeah. just do this? Why can't mm-hmm. you, you know? Nigerian parent mentality. So it took me a while. I, I, I have to talk to people, you know, because I know that in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I reached yeah. out to, mm. I, I have parent coaches I speak with. I have coaching almost every aspect of my life. Parenting is very key. Yes, I, have, I have like two parent coaches. So I reached out to them. I said, you know what? I don't know what to do anymore. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. This was never the issue. And now this is happening. So I have to retrace my steps and say, you know what? What do we do? So I had to do a reorientation. Call him, mm-hmm. talk to him. So today when you get to school, please give people personal space. Do you know what personal space is? Okay, maybe we should watch a video on personal space. This is mm-hmm. what we expect mm-hmm. of you to do. Mm-hmm. If you want to touch mm-hmm. someone, please ask for their permission before you touch mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I have to change his shoes. I realized the shoes were not even the right ones to because he's a very boisterous person. So I had to match his, his clothing. His with character. His, with his. With his, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I said, okay, these shoes will not work. God's shoes that were easy to pull off and put on. Very so what I'm telling you. At first, I had all these mm-hmm. ones that he has to tie and then he was only dragging his shoelaces <laughs> around. So, yeah, but but for my daughter, it was just like Ronke's daughter, um, but just like Tony, mm-hmm. it was way easier, mm-hmm. you know. They didn't say, oh, she's so calm, she's so yeah. nice, she's <laughs> all this. 
it was way easier. There's, we have experience of being men now, so not, she, was, she wasn't tempted. <laughs> no, she wasn't. Too. She wasn't. <laughs> My son, you know, they gave me pause that his voice is the loudest in class. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that is typical. When Nigerians are talking, you hear in the next building. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The next yeah. question I have is, have you ever had, like, um, have you ever been uncomfortable with maybe certain values or beliefs in the schools that your kids are um, going to? And how did you handle that? Maybe anything that you felt like you were uncomfortable with. How did you handle that phase? Every day. Um, <laughs> are you serious? Every day? <laughs> A lot of times. <laughs> okay, go, go, go. Okay. I mean, my, my own experience hasn't really been with this school in particular because whatever they're going to discuss with the children. For instance, they haven't taught them about, they haven't taught them certain things yet because of their mm-hmm. age. But the things they've taught them, you know, they sort of let you know beforehand that we're going to be having this discussion just before Christmas, since it was a letter. And they're going to be talking about pants down, which means they will be talking about their private areas mm-hmm. and not touch you and all that. So before they did that, they sent us a letter. So I had the Christmas period to sort of prepare and have that discussion with them. But mm. is it a private school? Okay. No, it's not. It's a state school. Oh. Yeah, but they let us know, you know, they're going to have these discussions and that. But I've had other, you know, things that made me uncomfortable. For instance, um, she was invited for a birthday party. We sort of mm-hmm. have birthday parties every month, every month, you know. So we went for this birthday party and the mom, I've, I mean, I've met her several times at different other parties and stuff. And it was going to be like a... I mean, our daughter was turning five or six, and it was mm. going to be like um, a, oh, what's it called now? It's spa, a spa experience or something, but in their house. So they had, um, mm. they did like, um, they were going to do like paint the kids' nails, give them a massage, and um, give mm-hmm. them face masks and all that. And I've had a discussion. I don't see anything wrong personally in kids, in kids painting their nails or parents painting their kids' nails or wearing lipsticks for mm-hmm. But... Personally, I have said to my daughter that you're not going to do it. I'm not going to allow you to do it until a certain stage. I made it clear mm-hmm. to her that I'm not judging the people that do it. And we don't think that they are bad. It's just something we don't mm-hmm. do in our house. So we got there. The invitation I didn't say was a spa thing because I wouldn't have allowed to. Because <laughs> I know how much she really likes those things when she watches them on YouTube and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we got there and then all the other kids, some of masks on their faces already, some were painting their nails. And they were just really excited and the moms were there. And I got in and I froze because I was, it was a dilemma for me because I thought, I've said to my daughter, you are not allowed to do this. But now I'm in mm. this place. Exactly. With all these people. I do not want to embarrass her. I do not want to embarrass myself. I do not want to embarrass parents. So I said to her, that, Tony, you're going to have the mask and have your massage. And you're going to have the fake mocktail because they got them like some, you know, wine glasses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have mocktails and things. And you're going to have that. But you, you know how all those discussions. And then she went with her friends and she came back to me later in front of everyone and said, Mom, please, can I paint my nails? I said, you have tight son. I didn't want to say, oh, you cannot, you cannot. You don't want to embarrass her. So you have mm. tight son. And then another child said, oh, she can go in the bathroom and just take off the tights. <laughs> so on that day, on that day, I really just thought about it. I was very unhappy with that. I really just thought about mm. it. And I said, okay, take off your tights and have the nail polish. And they did that. As soon as we got home, as soon as we got in the car, I said to her that we've had these discussions before. 
there's anything mm-hmm. because we have never actually said when you go outside how do you undo something that we've said you cannot do we've never had mm-hmm. that discussion yeah so i could not that right. i could not you know i couldn't be hard on her because we ha- I haven't mm. said to her before that when you, you know when you when we're little when you go out to someone's house and they say you cannot eat you've had that discussion <laughs> before you know that it's mm-hmm. not there you're going to be looking at your mom and say can i eat exactly. you already know the answer and you're when they just look at you you get it so i just said to her that day that if there's anything that we've discussed at home and we've said that you're not allowed to do when you get anywhere and it's offered you whether we are there or not your answer is no i am not allowed to do it that is the mm-hmm. kind of daughter I want to be, and that was it. That mm. was just one example. So there's been lots of stuff like that happening. Mm. Yeah. And I just... like, I actually like what you said, Ronke, about like how you handle the situation because I feel like sometimes we act like entitled adults. Like we just expect the kid to figure out. Like, yeah. That scenario could have gone another way for someone where they get into the car and they are talking and raising their voices about. Didn't I tell you before yeah. that you're not meant to do that? Why did you put me? And then they were literally almost yeah. claiming the child. Why did you put yeah. me in the, position? in the position? And I've been wondering. But, you know, being yeah. able to realize that, okay, this is a new scenario for this babe. So how yeah. do I explain this to her? Yeah. I think that's so profound. And that's something, yeah. like, every parent should learn. Being able yeah. to... We also have being to be able considerate. To be... Yeah, we also have to be considerate mm-hmm. of the yeah. children. Because, I mean, and the truth is, children also sometimes sleep. So you might tell your child, don't do this. And you get outside mm-hmm. and they intentionally do it. Still do it. You know, mm-hmm. there has to be one. Because as adults, we are not perfect ourselves. Why do we expect yeah. perfection from them? It doesn't mean that we right. allow them to do whatever they want to do. But also, we have to mm-hmm. leave room. Because in our own lives as adults, you leave room for imperfection. With my husband, I leave room for imperfection. Right. If, if he knows I do this, I put this here all the time. And 80% of the time, he puts it there. The 20% of the time when he does not put it there, I should really cut him some slack. Just as I would cut myself some slack. So even with right. kids too, we want our children to be perfect. But the truth is, the world itself is not perfect. And we have mm-hmm. to, I constantly have to remind myself to leave that room for mistakes. That will be yeah. Perfection. yeah. Man, that takes a lot of conscious awareness. Honestly, what you said, like, is so, like, oh, move me, or oh, touch me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I can't talk about you. <laughs> oh, no, I couldn't have said it any better. She... <laughs> It's just so clear, you know. One thing she said, I want to reiterate again, is the world is imperfect, and yet we want kids to be perfect. It's mm-hmm. so hard. It's so... Um, sometimes we feel that they, uh, what they do is reflecting on us, but we forget that these people are actually human beings on their own. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. We are just there for a, for a time to guide and mold. Yeah. So I, I know it's tough, that you just expect them to be this certain way, do this certain mm-hmm. thing, represent you in this certain way. What about the child? And then another thing that you actually said also is, we, I, I've realized that many, <laughs> we grow up and our parents just expect us to, to know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. can't just know what to do. No, you have to say it and say it and keep saying it and keep saying yeah. it. At different situations, different environments, under mm. is different. You have to see it. But we just assume that, oh, you are come. Forgetting that the child's brain is never fully developed yet. Yeah. They, they right. know what is right and wrong, but the brain has not fully reached that maturity to actually be able to, you know, um, 
take that decision or take that stand. Yeah. Right. We can only right. we can only do our best, honestly, mm-hmm. to um to lead them and move them and guide them. But to answer your question, um, share about you know some of the things. Like right now, I'm in the library, and before we started this, I was just walking around the kids section. I said, oh, because usually I just take some books home, they study, they t- take it right back. So I thought this book he had love over it. I said, okay, this might be a good message. But one thing I always do is to read through anything they read before they read it. <laughs> yeah. And here I am reading this lovely, supposed lovely um, book. And he was talking about, oh, why are you not happy with me because I have two fathers? Mm. Why are you not happy with me because I have two mothers? Mm. And they, because you have, have what I can get two, two fathers, fathers or two moms. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the message of the book. And I said, oh, thank you. And I dropped it. So that's, for me, is like the number one typical thing that's a major challenge. Your child watches a cartoon and they oh, two boys are kissing, mommy. So when are, you going to, so when are you going to have this? Because we are going to have this discussion with them. Yeah. When We've had we it. Have, oh, you have? How oh, we have. I son of six. But he has the brain of a 15-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I should put it that way because the the level of questions he asks it baffles me. Yeah, so, that's Yes. So we've had the conversation, but I won't take that kind of book home to reinforce yeah. that it is allowed. <laughs> because these are mm. things they see every day anyways. But you know, um one thing in in child raising that I've just told myself is Ultimately, a child will not fail, or you wouldn't have failed if the child knows his identity. Mm. Mm. For me, I think that's like the major thing. Mm. Even in many adults don't even know who they are. They don't. They don't. They don't. So that's where the fickleness comes in. That's where the, you know. But I keep, you know, this is the basis of what we do. This is our value system. What did God create? Adam and Eve. Anything other than that is what? Out mm. of the will of God. Mm. So we've had that conversation. But still, I won't take that kind of book home to reinforce yeah. it. Yeah. You know. So those... Yeah, sorry. Okay. So those are, you know, some of the issues and the challenges. And then, you know, it's, it goes on and on and on. And it keeps popping up every day. And mm. I, we just keep praying to... Um, to What's the word now? Always have the right answer. So, okay, you're about to say that you have not. So, let me give you an example of where we have, where we had this conversation way earlier. My son is already asking questions like, when am I getting married? I'll let you carry my wife on the beach and go on a vacation with my wife. Oh, of course. Don't even have names for our children already. So, my grandchildren, I already know their names. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> I had funny over a few a few weeks ago because before I have this discussion, right? I usually mm. want it to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. So the right. I just wait and when I feel like when we were just in the car or something, and I just feel in my spirit or I hear in my spirit that you need to talk about this. I just I told my guess I start something, I realized, oh, she knows a lot. She knows way more than you do. I mean, a few, about a few weeks ago, I think I heard my husband, I was in the kitchen and they were in the living room. I haven't even talked about that with him. You know, I overheard them having this discussion. 
in the, really, I mean, relating to what you're saying, and you were saying, mm. this is what our God life says. This is how the Bible life says, and that kind mm. of thing. But I haven't actually sat her down to say, how much do you know? I'm just waiting for that prompting, you know? Yeah. But it's really yeah. important because it's a discussion we are going to have to have with them. Mm. Um, okay. Let's move to the next one. <laughs> 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 I want to talk about parenting styles now, yeah? Um, what would you say are the differences or the similarities you've noticed with what you add and what you are, what you have with your own kids? As in, what's, what's better? What are we doing? We will get with If only you know. <laughs> I'm like, how do you come to you know, oh. let's just dive right into it. Let me guess that. Oh my god! <laughs> to be honest, there's no. I wouldn't judge my the parenting I had. I wouldn't judge it as being mm. bad. Mm. Because what I say to myself is that under every circumstance, my parents always gave me their best. Right. Uh. Luckily for me. Fortunately for me, I grew up in a Christian home, which is which was just the foundation. My father is a pastor, and we just always went to church and learned and all that. But that does not mean that I agree with their parenting methods. Uh. I would say that I cannot even find any. I mean, other than love, I can't find anything in my parenting style <laughs> that is similar <laughs> to the parenting I had, you know, from my parents. We never. I think the number one thing we did not have was communication. You know, there's right. a thing about, I mean, I think a lot of Nigerian homes, I wouldn't say all Nigerian homes, a child is not seen as a person. Most. Ch- yeah, you know, a child is seen as this person that you had who should just conform and behave themselves. But no one is really asking, how are you feeling about this? How does right. this make you feel? You know? So we never, I think the real problem we had was communication. It was just do as I say, and that is it. We didn't have feelings. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, we moved. <laughs> when I finished um, primary school, we moved to a different state altogether. We moved to Lagos when I finished primary school. And I remember when we moved, I knew I would never see my friends again. I went to primary school together. And for like a week or two, I cried every day. Because I just missed them and I wanted to see my friends and me, I would never see them again. And it was as though I was mourning the friendship that I had at that time. <laughs> I remember the pain. Can you imagine? I was I was very little. I was nine years old when I finished when I left primary school. But no one knew because we couldn't imagine me telling my mom that I'm crying because I'm missing. Huh. She just tell you to go and wash plates. You are very ungrateful. You don't have anything. I'm very ungrateful. You wash plates, you fetch water, you know. <laughs> but but every time, but you know what I think what I'm doing that's really really different is communicate communication, and I've realized that Tony, Sarah, they're individuals, they're human beings. The same right. feelings, the feelings of sadness, the feelings of happiness, the feelings of grief, the feelings of frustration, of anger, of envy, jealousy, whatever it is, an adult can feel, a child can feel it. They just cannot put it into words the way that we do. So I have, I've opened that, there's that communication that is available. And she knows that she can always talk about anything. And I don't shut down her feelings, you know. I try very hard not to, not to disregard or trivialize any of their feelings. If she's crying about something, even if I am extremely irritated, which I sometimes get, 
based on how the day has been and all that. Sometimes she's done something, I'm irritated. But I said to her, how does this make you feel? Because I want her to be in touch with her feelings and be able to recognize this is how I feel about this. I said to her, how does this make you feel? Okay, I'm sorry that you feel sad about this. Do you know why you feel sad about it? What can you do about it? And sometimes I say to her, you know, you are sad, but that is part of life. Sometimes things happen that make you sad. Sometimes they're a consequence of something. Some other times they're not. So, and with that, she comes, so my, sometimes my husband will just say, ah, okay. These children, they're enjoying it. I will just laugh. <laughs> can you imagine? And he'll say to me, can you imagine what this girl just said? Would I have said that to my own father? For so, we How so now? We are, we are building friendship. We are building, because through communication, we are building friendship. We are building trust. We are building reliability. She knows that. She will never be embarrassed to tell me that this happened. Because even if it's something that is embarrassing, I make sure that I don't embarrass her. I say, oh, I know you feel embarrassed. It's normal to feel embarrassed. When this happened to me, I felt embarrassed. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just to, I think the major difference between our relationships, really, between our parenting styles, really, is the communication. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing, the communication. Right. Like building, like ensuring you're trying to build a relationship with them beyond yes. just parenting but, them. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, um, you know, honestly, the bedrock of any relationship is communication, like okay said. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that we need to know is we are also building a relationship with our, right. our children. <laughs> we, I think many mistakes many of our parents have assumed is that it will automatically fall into place. Yeah. And today, many people don't have, they have zero relationship with their parents. Yeah. Because there was an assumption at some point yeah. that it will naturally fall into place. You know? That um, the bedrock of any relationship, honestly, is, uh, is communication. And we yeah. forget that we're not sure, we put in a lot of effort, not trying a relationship with our spouses, not trying a relationship with our friends. But literally zero effort nurturing relationship with our children. Yeah. You know? So um it's tough, I must say. It's easier, shorter, takes less time to just say, Go get it done. Yeah. Just get it done. No explanation, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. It's way it's so easier. easier. It's it makes easy. your life less complicated. But what is the overall aim of what you are trying to do? Right. You just want to get the job done, yes. But when they grow older, do you want them to use their initiative to do it? Or do you then need someone to sit on my shelter then to get it done? Yeah. So for me, that's, that's one thing that I had a bit of it growing up. Myself and my mom are still very close now. But, you know, I told myself, beyond just the shouting and just ordering things around without any explanation. Anyway, my son will not even do anything if you don't explain to him anyway. So <laughs> I had to learn by force. <laughs> You know, he's, he has this kind of temperament. Maybe God God had to deal with me in that way because he gave me A-type personality kids. Both of them are, like, strong-willed, A-type, you know. So there's no, there's no bullying to get things done. It's via proper explanation. And, oh, okay, I see. Oh, so that's why he wanted me to do this, so I can do that. I get it now. Okay, mommy, I'll get it done. <laughs> but men, they still have the luxury of 
because I'm oh, sure there were many, many A personality people in mm-hmm. Nigeria. They yeah. will use Koboko yeah. to remove the A personality <laughs> and give you C. What's the meaning of that? Hmm. Because I was, just, I was just listening to what she was saying, you know, he has this kind of person in my mind. I'm like, hmm. in Nigeria, I'm hearing myself, I don't personality who I have, but I don't personality you? I have. Who has personality? <laughs> They will use Google to judge you another personality than my friend. Children don't have this there's kind of your personality. There's a personality you have. You know, there's the one that you just, have to have. It's just a lot of work, like I said, I'm because it's a thin me. line. Hmm. It's a thin line to hmm. be able to remain their friends and still be the parents. Yeah. The next question is how do you guys integrate the differences between your partner's um background and what they had with their parents and yours and you know you people coming to a middle ground of this is how we're going to do this with our kids. What how did you integrate that? So let me start with Tope. Okay, thank you Shara for the question. So um for me one thing you know from everything we've talking about since is communication. We had a lot of conversation before we got married around parenting, around everything, literally. Mm-hmm. Parenting inclusive. What do we do? When we are at the crossroad, what do we do? And mm-hmm. so we still, we still go by the things that we have agreed on. Obviously, so many surprises still spring up on us now. Mm-hmm. But one thing is we always have each other's back when the children are there. No matter, even when I'm not comfortable with what maybe his parenting style at the time, Mm-hmm. I always have his back. When mm-hmm. the children are not there, then we have a conversation around this. This, I don't like. The same that he does. So we always put up a united front in, the, in front of the kids. And then that has helped. They know that when they go to daddy, the same answer. When they go to mommy, the same answer. So <laughs> that, that has really been what has helped us. Open communication. How, how are we going to undo this when it happens? What are we going to do? They see daddy doing this. Can we also do it? So it's just to talk about it. I know that some some couples might have that challenge. Maybe their husband is ah, go beat the child out. Me, we must <laughs> ah, no. There's no time. You know, you have to talk with your husband first. It's not that at that point. You know, we, we have to be proactive, not reactive. It's not right. anything that's not happened. And say ah, how did you? We should have dealt with it in a different way. But what if this happens? What do we do? If that happens, what do we do? You know, so being proactive is the key thing for us to have a united front and agree on the style of parenting to use part time. Mm, right, yeah. that's so profound. Okay, how about you, Rinka? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with Chope, and you know, I completely agree with you. Chope has said almost everything. We ah. we have come to <laughs> see that really. I've come to see. We come to see that we're a team. When it comes to mm. looking after these children, it's not you against mm. me or me against you. We are a team trying to raise those little people. And we have completely different upbringing, my husband and I, completely, completely different upbringing. <laughs> but because we have the same, we have the same values and the same expectations from our kids, it's helped up to be able to say, okay, this is how we do things. I'm a bit more I'm a bit more into psychology when it comes to the kids. I'm a bit more interested in the psychology of kids. So you see me, I'll buy one book about this and a book about that. Mm-hmm. Because I'm trying to learn why children are the way that they are. And something I'm particularly interested in. So I'm a bit more into psychology. He is more he is more emotional and you know so we as Topper said, we always we never disagree with each other. 
if it does something and I don't really agree with it, I might not foil it. So if it's doing something, it's doing something in a certain way, and the child is there, I might just walk away or just be quiet. But I won't foil mm-hmm. it by saying, like the way my mom used to do, where if that is between so when I don't agree with it, I don't foil it, and he knows. But what we do is we constantly review our methods because there's not one way to do something. Because when we right. talk about it, he would say to me that, oh, when she did this, I wonder why she did it. Because it, my husband is quite reflective and, you know, we'll have this discussion that, okay, maybe we shouldn't have done it this way. Can we find out why they did not want to do this at that particular time, you know? So continuously just, we know that we're a team. We're not, it's mm-hmm. not me against you, you against me. Right. And we wouldn't always agree, but we'd always mm-hmm. talk about it. So that helps. Okay. That really helps. Okay. So, um, how would you say that you have been able to develop trust with your kids? I'm hoping that you have been able to do that, where your kids <laughs> are able to come to you and talk about whatever. I know that Runke, you know, touched on it a bit when she was talking about communication and all, but maybe give like a practical example, if you can remember, of how you realize that, okay, I think it's working. I think this person is getting comfortable sharing mm. stuff with me. So let me start with Runke. Hmm. You know that this um if for instance <laughs> you had given us tips on all these questions would be before now. Off the top of my head now. I, surprisingly I can't think of I mean the only thing I can think of ah, I can't really think of anything to be honest. Do you think because of, she really you think she trusts you? Yes, she does. I believe that she does. Because she comes she comes to us to talk about everything. Okay. And to the best of my knowledge, what I think is everything. She she mm-hmm. does feel but sometimes she would say, Mommy, I want to talk to you about something. Uh, I like something, that. Something something embarrassing. Maybe she went to the toilet in school and mm-hmm. you know, maybe in cleaning up, something didn't go well and all that. At least I remember we had that discussion. She would say to me that, Mommy, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, what about? And then she said, Mommy, can you come up to the room? Maybe if the nanny is there or something, or her sister is there. Mm-hmm. She said, Mommy, can you come to my room? And then I'll go to her and say, well, I just wanted to tell you this happened today. And I mm-hmm. make sure when she does that, I never blame her. I never reprimand her. I would say, oh, why do you think that happened? How can we make it not happen again? No. But one thing we always say to her is, Whenever she comes to us, tell us something that we know that she's not very comfortable talking about. We always say to her, it's okay. It's okay. Just so that she knows that she can always come to us next time. In the, mm-hmm. what we're discussing, if I think of something, if something comes up that I remember, you know, mm-hmm. then I will, I'll, I'll talk about it. But even what you've said, I feel like, like even what you, the example you gave, I think that is actually very um, interesting because the, that those were moments for you to have built trust with her. You get imagine yeah. if she calls you one day and then you are like, ah, Don't you not right now? I can't. And then she does yeah. it the next day, and she does it yeah. the next day. She's she just, just like, oh. Exactly. So I feel like what those little that? things, mm-hmm, I guess. Sometimes I'm really like, Oh, what is it? You know, can you <laughs> imagine this thing? You know, because you really are just, I just come back from work. I'm like, Yeah, just see what you want to say, you know, but it's just that yeah. consciousness. 
and then I feel like even if you don't, let's say you don't show up, we know that we can't be perfect. Even if you don't show yeah. up like 100% of the time that she asked for those things. Like yeah. showing, she, she remembering that, okay, she showed up yesterday. She showed up there for yesterday. She showed, if she doesn't show up today, yeah. at least. There's, like, there's so I just feel like, time. Yes, I just feel yeah. like that. Those little, little things actually made the difference. Like those are the differences of the kind of parenting we had. Because yeah. I feel like it's those then who you say that when we come upstairs, come upstairs to come and do what to do what you have mind. Come upstairs, come upstairs. Yes. Who is upstairs? Who is upstairs? Like so, I feel it's those little, little just being in touch. Like I think that's just just being in touch with the humanness mm. of the human being that is yeah. with you as a child mm. like yeah. i think that's right. just it for me like those are things that are really resonating with me like being just yeah. being intentional yeah. about little things that's intentional is, difficult. is a key word as the pkm how about you so um in terms of trust i'll be completely honest with you mm-hmm. i think um Sometimes I feel that my kids trust my husband more than they do me. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> it's one of those things. You know, like, when guess is our daughter comes to her and all of that. I feel my kids probably go more to my husband because maybe since we got here, I've just been buried in books at, at every junction in the last few, few years, you know. So he has more hands-on time with them right now than I do, you know. So... And I, I've stopped beating myself up on that because I know it's just a phase. It will pass. But mm-hmm. so a typical example is they don't sleep without their dads. Like it's, I don't know. It's just, it's just the way it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So every night they go to bed together. You read them the Bible. They talk about the story. Talk mm-hmm. about what happened today. What can we do? <laughs> and it takes time. They take about an hour, sometimes two hours. Sometimes my husband is tired. Wow. She just wants to do something else. Because they just keep asking this question. They have this <laughs> list of confessions they go through. It's, right now, I'm not, I'm not mentally prepared for it. And I, I guess I'm just blessed to have a spouse that you know, <laughs> is willing and understands and is ready to step in. Mm. so right. obviously they have all those conversations at night so he just comes to give feedback did you hear what your son said I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. you know did you hear what your daughter did today <laughs> so they, they look forward to that and that's just the routine in our house so they know that okay when it's time to bed daddy must come with us like it's a must. <laughs> sometimes they get tired they sleep off on their bed and it's like this thing is impacting on my day I also have other things to do but it's, it's taking out that time to, you know, invest in them. Let's and see. I see, and I see the fruits of what he's doing. You know, they, they, they have a list. In fact, it's a whole long of list of what things they do every night. <laughs> and it takes time. Yeah, it takes time. It it's just tough for this generation to make out time for some things. But when you know it's important, you just have to try to make out time for it. Mm-hmm. So I might not have any personal example, but I have a lot of examples because of reported speech of things I've heard. Mm-hmm. That's, That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. So, um, but for, um, for this phase, like how do you also handle the phase where it's like you are almost like absent from the, from what's going on? 
like I, I hear you about you know enjoying the benefits of partnership and all of that uh-huh. how do you also deal sometimes with maybe the guilt of mm, I think that I'm not spending enough time with them like maybe like work you yours is reading maybe Runke is like crazy calls like how do you handle those moments where you have that mommy guilt or you feel like hmm, I feel like I'm not just doing enough huh. For for me, I just make whatever time I have, I make it count. Okay. I know that I don't have so much time, but whenever I, I am, whatever time I have, I make it count. So, for instance, I got home pretty late last like yesterday, like around, I think, 9.30. And my daughter was just, where have you been all day? She woke up from sleep. And then I had other things that I wanted to do, but she just wanted to cuddle. She wasn't hearing nothing else. I left everything else and she just laid there on my chest for about an hour and my mother was like oh my god do you know what I could have achieved in this hour, <laughs> this one hour. <laughs> you know but at that time that was the most important thing to her so I just whatever short time that's the only way we can deal with it because the honest truth is we can't stop being busy you know whatever time we have I try to make it count it might be I might be cooking they know that when I'm at home, I def- definitely that I'm cooking. They come and stay with me in the kitchen. Hey, tell me what happened today. So what did you do? So what did you learn? So how did you handle it? So this, so that. Mommy, I'm tired of staying with you. I need to go. Really? Is that how it works now? So I just try to, I know that, you know, being in the kitchen, you spend hours and hours. So that time I try to invest it also in them. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so like making the best of what you have, <laughs> just be what real. I have. Basically, that's just that's just the only way not to be guilty. <laughs> How about you? Not okay. to feel guilty. Really, um, as a working mom, mom guilt is something that we have to have come to accept. As you know, <laughs> it's a feeling, just the way happiness is an emotion. So and it's fickle. Yeah, <laughs> mom guilt. Another emotion. <laughs> yeah, that I've come to accept that you know, this will come. Because I'm a working mom. I have, I have a career. I have to go to work. But these children also, they are important. And they are more important than my career. So as Chopper sure. said, it's making good use of the time that you have. So one thing I did when I realized, because it's not even every day I come home after work. Some days I'm working night shifts. Mm. The weeks that I'm working nights, I'm not, in, I'm not home in the morning when they go to school. Mm-hmm. Wow. And by the time I come home, you know, I'll just sleep. When they come back from school by three or four, I only see them for like two hours because I want to take a nap before I go back at night again. So the weeks when I'm on night, they know that they rarely see me. And mm. even, I mean, there's the mom guilt that when I feel like well, I haven't seen my kids, I haven't spent time with my kids for a week. But also I know that next week I'm going to be home in the evenings and I'm going to make good use of that time. So what we do really is after work, on days that I'm coming home after work, I put, I mean, my nights are not maybe a week in a month or something, but when I come back, I make sure that, okay, after work, I put my phones away so that I'm, I don't have a phone at all until they go to bed. I am just communicating with them. We're spending all that time because their kids go to bed quite early also. So we know that, okay, those three, four hours that we have, we're going to just spend everything with them, talk to them, communicate, play with them, everything, put them to bed. Then we can get on with whatever whatever we had to do, you know, that we haven't done already. It's just about making, and also we, we go out a lot. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm an extrovert and well, we do a lot of social stuff. So I always plan, okay, when I'm off, can we go out for waffles and ice cream? Can we go out for a movie? 
can we go out for the on days that we are at home? What can we do together? Can we read a book? Can we watch a movie? We make sure that, for instance, Friday nights, every Friday night, we have a movie night where we order in pizza and stuff. Even on days I'm unfortunately working, or my husband is finishing late, at least one of us will be with them, you know, to do that. Um, so the next thing I was going to ask um, is about, like, this whole tech world and how, you know, it's almost easy for you to engage your kids, just engage them with a tab so that you can mm. buy time for yourself. So how do you manage, you know, the just them being on the tab for hours and they're not particularly maybe even building relationships with their own sibling or the building relationships with you. How do you, you know, balance this whole tech thing that is going on with grooming kids? Let me start with Tokwe. Mm. <clears throat> I guess you have started with Ronke face because that's, for me, that's one of my major struggles <laughs> for now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's one of my major struggles. I We have set rules you must not be on your computer more than 8 30 da, 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 da. sometimes i'm just like let him just have it i just need peace and quiet in this house <laughs> so in honest truth i've not been able to master that yet so there are days i'm like oh this week we did so well we had just few hours of tv time we did more constructive things and there are weeks like man i just can't come and die if you just watch <laughs> So to be to be honest with you, um, I won't say I've mastered that yet, but I try. I, I'm not I'm not just leaving things to chance, and mm-hmm. just um, you know that's one of the reasons for now. I told them I took my I, they don't have iPads for that reason because you know it's kind it's just so easy to talk away into your room and just be there for hours and hours and yep. you know I, I allow them to play with my tab once in a while, but sometimes I just take it away. So even if they are watching TV or glued to the computer, he has his computer right there in the sitting room. So it's easy for me to say, what are you doing? Okay, get up from there. It's, I, can, I can count the number of hours you've been there or you're watching TV right there. So for me, I think one of the major things is it's a rule in my house, no TV in the kids' room. There's no matter mm. how much money I have until I feel they are wise enough and smart enough to make certain sound decisions. No kids in the, no TV in the kids' room. You know, mm-hmm. that's one and for now, no personal tab. If you want to do something, I can allow you use my tab, allow you use my phone, you know, where I can track things. Mm. Maybe when I feel that it's, you know, it's, it's differs for every parent. For some parents, their kids are so well, they know that when they say don't go there, they don't go there. But if you, know, if you understand your child fully well, you just have to put some boundaries mm. in place. Mm. Yeah, so which for us, it's, that's the only way to be honest, that we've been able to curb, um, you know, TV time. They watch TV where I am, where I am. So I know, okay, you turn it on at nine, then you need to turn it off now. Mm. Because it wasn't it, so difficult in Nigeria because you had the, you had the um, excuse of NEPA anyway. So mm. I, of course, I'm not turning on my gen. I can always switch off my modem. Mm. But here, you're not switching off any modem. The internet is there. You're not, you're not counting it. It's there. So they exactly. can afford to be on YouTube all day. Mm-hmm. Nobody's charging lights. Nobody's charging internet. Nobody's charging nothing. So yeah, it's 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 been pretty hectic, particularly these days that they are home. Oh God, it was mm-hmm. way way easier when there was full school. From school, my kids they don't come home. They go to daycare, and mm-hmm. in daycare they don't watch TV. They engage them. They do crafts. They yeah. do. They go out. They mm-hmm. go for hikes, 
they go mountain, they say mountain hike, zoo. there's always an activity to do in daycare. Right. But these days that they are home a lot, mm. it's, it's a tough not to crack. Maybe Ronke can give me some wisdom there. <laughs> wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Give us wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I would say give you a strong. Oh my God. Um, to be honest, we, we are also, we are also still struggling with that. But more from, to be honest, more from laziness. Because sometimes you just need a break and you're like, take your tab. Just so you can just so you can have a break, you know. But what we've done is our kids have personal tabs. But the tabs sort of have the tabs have this setting where it comes on at a certain time of the day. It can only come on at a certain time of the day. Fantastic. And it goes Mm. off at a certain time of the day. She'll just come and say, Mom, see it's gone off. And I say, Well, that's all for today. Mm. Then the tabs is set to maybe if she's allowed to use it two hours a day, Mm. one hour. 30 minutes is education. Yeah, that's stuff. wisdom right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> you know, one hour, 30 minutes educational stuff. The other half an hour is um, entertainment and stuff. So the tab itself sort of tells mm. you um, you've had an hour of this, you know, and stuff. Oh, but nice. they, don't use, to be honest, they don't even use their tabs. They don't use their tabs so much. I mean, during the lockdown, what we did was because they were home for some time, um, we make sure that we don't turn on the telly until two p.m. So the TV doesn't come on in the house at all until two p.m. So in morning when you wake up, whatever you're doing, they play, paint, color, write, whatever they're doing in the living room, but they don't mm-hmm. turn on the telly. But when it's after their lunch, when it's two p.m., they will come and they'll tell you, "Oh, mommy, it's two now." So and they go to bed <laughs> at seven. So between two and seven, the TV is on. I mean, they would go, they would walk to your room, walk back, watch stuff on telly, go outside in the garden. But we know that the telly is only on for five hours. So we're able to control that. The other challenge we had was they were watching YouTube with YouTube kids on my phone. And even with the YouTube kids, there were just lots of random things. Kids shouting mm. at the parents, kids disagreeing. <laughs> you know. Tell so me then, about it. <laughs> funny, when my husband said to them, well, you can no longer watch YouTube now. Tony understood. And, you know, she did, she begged me and said, mommy, I said, no. And then afterwards, my husband said, well, I just want to see that you don't watch YouTube for some time and then we'll reconsider it because I'm not happy with what you're watching. But the little one didn't really understand it. So what I did was I just deleted my YouTube app. Deleted YouTube, deleted YouTube app. So if she picks up my phone, she just goes, right. goes, 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 doesn't see it. She's <laughs> upset. She just leaves the phone. But I listen to, I watch stuff on YouTube a lot. So every time mm. I need to watch something, I download the app again. You download it again. Oh, wow. Or listen. That's a lot of when I feel, dedicated work. Yeah, but that's a point. That's what I do with social media. So my social media only comes on for like maybe an hour or an hour, 30 minutes a day. So I keep on downloading my Instagram, my Twitter <laughs> and stuff. And as soon as I go through, I've updated myself. Okay. I just delete it again because I don't want it permanently there when I'm, I'm picking my phone at it, you know. That bad habit of just picking your phone all the time. So that has worked. But to be honest, there are two days where I'm like, ah, oh, please, now you people, both of you, okay, take, take my phone and watch. Let me finish what I'm doing. But, so we're not, we're not there yet, but at least we are we're putting our foot down and going. And we are conscious about it. Conscious about it, yeah. yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and then even cyber safety, how do you deal with, like, how do you ensure that what you're looking at is appropriate yeah. for age and all of that? Age. Yeah. What do you do for that? So, I did the telly. Our, 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 um, our TV has the 
cyber access code and security and stuff. So mm. it would only allow them watch stuff for a certain age. Mm. If anything else is going to come up, the TV will need a, will need a password. So that's mm. really sorted. But that's why I make sure they don't have access to anything else on my phone, you know, that can just mm-hmm. take them anywhere. And I, yeah. to be honest, Tony School has actually taught them a lot of cyber safety. Mm. They've been talking about it, and I think she has a bit of understanding. But of course, also, you know, mm. she's only little, and right. I'm not sure how much of it she really understands. So I have to make mm-hmm. sure that they don't pick up their daddy's phone, but they always pick my phone. And I have to make sure that <laughs> there's no app on my phone, honestly, that they can easily stroll into and just start reading stuff. You know, I make sure that there's no app available. When I finish my Instagram, I delete, I delete it. When I want to use it tomorrow, I download it, go through it, and go away again, you know. Something that can engage like siblings, like if they have maybe the same in the same tab, maybe they can do you know the way there's this shouts, shout radios, and all this. I don't know if you know all these apps. Yeah, they have they have <laughs> they have games, they have games on their tab, but they can only use their tab for maybe an hour and hour and a half a day. So in the mm. time that they turn on their tab, they can play the games and do those things. But when the tab goes off, it's gone off. And that's it because tomorrow. Because I think that the concern I have, like I get the fact that, you know, well, is is not easy. So I get you guys. I hear you. But I think that where I'm headed is isn't there aren't there like maybe um engaging things like what do I mean? That it can still be tech based, but it, it can still give like the level of development or the stuff that it a maybe stuff that is off tech can give like do you understand like what are the kind of things that they engage in do they just watch cartoons or is it more like maybe they are teaching them building something something abc or something something what exactly do they yeah. watch on this app okay so on the tabs they have lots of so for instance my daughter's school has an app that okay they upload stuff and she really does enjoy it you know okay. us, you know she has her own personal login and it's still up to her so all the things okay. that they teach them in school, they make some of them into like games, some of them okay. into like writings, and you put in the writing, you click submit, it tells you, oh, you've done well, or oh, you can do better with this. And she really does oh. enjoy that. But Tara okay. is only two, and even though Tara goes to nursery, she doesn't have mm-hmm. that kind of thing. She has apps that she can learn one, two, three, and ABC. Mm-hmm. But surprisingly, she doesn't like those apps. She it's not surprising, it's just yeah. the truth. <laughs> she, prefers the ones, she prefers the ones where she's watching other kids playing with their toys or falling inside water or oh shouting. Oh my god. Or shouting at their so... siblings or shouting at their parents. <laughs> honestly, she, she prefers the other ones. So, I mean, for Tara, there are a lot of educational, there are lots of educational um, apps and stuff, you know, on their tab that she can enjoy. That are even engaging. Some of them will talk to you, you talk back, and they tell you good or this, but she doesn't like oh, nice. Okay. She likes the ones that don't have any direction. She's a free spirit. I'm telling you, so that's why you just need to. Okay, so let's go to this um corporal punishment and how you should discipline a child, the best way to discipline a child. So I want to ask you people, my Nigerian people living in the abroad world, how do, uh-huh. you, do, how do you how do you discipline your kids, Abek? <laughs> Let's start with the question. Oh my God. So um 
I think disciplining would be easier if we understood every child's temperament mm -hmm. and who this child is, you know. For my daughter, there's there's really less um, spanking okay. to come with it. Because once you tell her that, no, you can't do this. She argues with you for a little bit. And then she thinks about it. And then she comes back and says, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I won't do it again. <laughs> and that's it. But the other way around, <laughs> you have to explain and explain. And it says, no, I'm not doing it. And it walks away. Oh, who come back here, okay? <laughs> so you it varies. <laughs> you are who? <laughs> it varies. It varies. I, I, even though I, I really am of the opinion of no spanking, I pray every day, I say it every day, I confess it every day, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give corporal punishments. Um, so some things that it's a no-no. I don't, you, you never, you, you, a child will not learn from body shaming or from making the child feel less of himself, you know, all those things that we grew up with that we thought it was normal. No, that would rather damage the child. But once right. in a while, there's this very odd spank that goes on the bone, and that's it. And it just does the job. And he says, mm. ah, Mommy, you just gave me a reset. I say, Yes, you need yes. it. And that's <laughs> it. And we started, you know, so I said, I'll give you a reset. So, you know, and particularly kids can, kids know, especially when they know that, oh, oh, right now, this, nothing is, nothing, no, I'm not going to get spanked. They press your buttons, they push mm. you to the extreme. Mm -hmm. They push you, they press you, they push you, they press you. And when you turn back and um, do your thing. So they just know you, this is the right thing to do. Do you know you're supposed to do it? So why have you not done it? No excuse. Okay. And there's a lot of um, choices and consequences that we use. If you do this, you get this done. If you don't do this, you don't go on your computer all day. I know how much you love being on your computer. My son can be on his computer like 10 hours and you'll be hungry, you won't ask for food, nothing. You'll just be there from ABCA to this to that, you know. But if you don't get it done, we use a lot of choices and a lot of consequences. And mm. sometimes we bring out the um, ad hoc life. And then I also feel like, I feel like at the end of the day, since we started off saying that every, like, each person is, it's still a relationship, even though it's a parent to child relationship, relationships right. should have boundaries. So I feel right. like I totally get what you mean. It is also a certain level of boundary. Like you've been able to mark boundaries because I don't, I don't think for kids because they're not properly developed or how we put it, there has to, you have to help them mark it sometimes. So I'm not you saying spank, spank them. But I'm not saying, I'm also not saying just leave the gate. Just allow them to rot. <laughs> Let's see what <laughs> we can I mean, it's true. I mean, you're right. I think it was um, when the Bible says that, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child. That's sparing the rod. The rod is not necessarily king. Yeah. Um, that's one thing my husband taught me because growing up, he was not flogged too. He wasn't beaten. But I was all, you know. It was, it was it was bread and butter in my house and and to be honest, it's a lazy it's a lazy way of it's a lazy way of parenting of, of getting it's, things yeah, done because it's really quick yeah. you know just to pass and the child has listened you know mm -hmm. but has the child really listened you know that's the real question and what we found is the word really is anything that will teach that child consequences correction oh. correction a child. You know, we don't flog them, you know, we don't flog them, we don't beat them, but we know what's important to them. 
and what's important to them keeps changing. So we also keep modifying our methods of consequences. They know that if you do this, and what's, what we do for each child is different, you know. One might like to come to your room. One might like to sleep in your room and all that. And we say, well, you've, you've done this now. You cannot come to my room for the next two days. Or you cannot use your tab. Or you cannot watch telly. Occasionally, we'll do go into your room or face the wall and stuff. But we make mm-hmm. sure that we know what's important to them. And the punishment is always depriving them of that thing. Such that they won't try okay. to do yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, but okay, but how do we? Because if I want to go psych, the psych method, I'm like, you oh. also know that there's an effect of that from from psychology where they feel like they can they begin to sort of relate. Um, if I do something wrong, I should I should be treated. I should be mal sort of like I should be maltreated in a certain way. Like, okay, something needs to be taken away from me. I understand consequences, yeah, yeah. but I also feel like. How do I relate this? It's like, okay, being, what's the fastest thing that can come to my own okay, things? Like being with a partner where you do something and the person is giving you talent treatment. Exactly. Let's use that example. So, and then you begin to relate, relate the issues. To, okay, when I do this thing wrong, this is what I should expect. So, so like, how do we, yeah. So how do you balance that? For okay, instance, we, you, mm-hmm. because I said, as I said earlier, you know, we don't expect perfection. Yeah. But there are times that you do a certain thing. And mm-hmm. even though we know that it's wrong, for just say, why have you done this? You pushed your sister. Did you actually, you know, just push your sister? You know, and even though she's expecting a consequence, we'll mm-hmm. say, please do not do that again. And this is the last time we're saying that. So it's not every mm-hmm. time they get it, even though they deserve it. It's not every time they get it. Mm-hmm. But there are other times where you say, oh, why have you done this? We have told you not to do this again. Can you please go to your room for the next two hours? And she would cry, you know. And I'm like, it's only at dinner. <laughs> yeah. You're not watching telly tonight. Only at dinner time. You come down, have your dinner, and you go back. And that has always worked. But also the methods, I mean, the methods keep changing. And adults and children alike, we have to understand that there are consequences. All right. If you're good, there is a reward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be good every day but on the days that you've done something naughty too you have to expect a reward it's just right <laughs> when, it's just the way it is i might be wrong and we're still learning every day but you know to just accept that there are consequences and that's what it's just it's just how life is mm-hmm. right i just wanted to look for like the other side i wanted to be the play the devil's advocate <laughs> which is uh-huh. <laughs> Which is reality, yeah. anyways. We're learning. <laughs> okay, let's go it to reality. religion now. So, how have you guys been able to like incorporate your like introduce your kids to? How did you even introduce your kids to the religion that you were practicing, and how has it been so far? Um, Runke. Okay. Um, funny thing. Recently, my daughter said to me. She said. Um, I'm a Christian that do you think that I'm going to have okay I think we're talking about changing our school I think she have heard us saying oh, do we need to change our school if we're going to move because we're considering a move and all that and then mm-hmm. she said to me that you know um, do we um, what if I don't have any friends you know that are Christians in that school you know 
so I had to have a mm. discussion with her about how you're not the only Christian, you know, there are lots of Christians. Christianity is not something to be embarrassed about. It's just mm. living in Jesus and working with him. I think that we we don't make a, I try not to make a big deal out of religion. And by mm-hmm. that, I don't make it a special thing that, oh, you have to do this. This is the religion. I put it mm. in every aspect. I incorporate it quite subtly into every aspect mm. of our lives. You know, when you're eating, Tony, do you know why we have this food? It's because God provided for us by giving us a job, by giving us this, you know. Sometimes yes. she says, oh, I'm sorry for what I did yesterday. And I said, I've forgiven you. You know that Jesus forgave us. You know, we'll talk about that kind of thing. And also mean they go to church and they go to Sunday school, you know, and I've recently become a Sunday school teacher myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> so just to make that, you know, just to make that, to make her comfortable. I think that when you try to make it like religion is out of the ordinary, then the children are going mm-hmm. to see that as ordinary. But when you make extraordinary things ordinary, mm-hmm. and when you make ordinary Same. things extraordinary to them, you know, mm. ordinary experiences. I try to relate. Oh, this actually reminds me of this. And quite interestingly, she's beginning to now have her own thoughts. Just this afternoon, our drive home, she said to me that, how many disciples did Jesus have? And I said 12. Just out of, you know, what's randomly. Mm-hmm. He said, no, oh, it's not 12, it's 11. And I said, why? And she went, oh, that because one of them betrayed him. So we, we shouldn't count him as one of the disciples. <laughs> that was reflexive because she went, she thought about it and came up with right. it so i mean we hope that and we are trusting god you know that as they get older they will continue to stay in the faith and you know we're praying for them also that they will have christian friends you know and mm. they will carry on you know that experience but really the most important thing for me really is making extraordinary things sound ordinary and making ordinary yeah. things extraordinary you know for them yeah like so basically like making it relatable and simple yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same and that's that's also something that most of us didn't have. We had the we're going to church now. It's ah. a church line. Hmm. <laughs> my father is a pastor. My father is a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Since I was five, they cast not demon in front of me. They cast not demon in front of me. I'm going to church maybe three times a uh, week. They were the last <laughs> to leave the church. And the first to get there. And the last to leave the church. Oh my, <laughs> my goodness, who's the other you? <laughs> Oh, well, um, like, you know, like Ronke said, it's just making it look every day, you know. Um, Jesus is who, Jesus is who gives us the essence of our lives. Mm. I I don't, I tell him, we don't have any life outside of Jesus. Mm. And I've seen it play out. So I hear, oh, my stomach is spinning me and it starts praying. Mm. My kids, you know, they know that, who do we call for help is Jesus. Mm. God has just been able to help us with that. Mm. It's that, it's, it's like basic, you know, it's like basic. They just know. And I think I would also attribute it to, you know, the way they grew up, the way it's been from day one. They've, they've not seen any other thing, but I let them know that say, some people don't believe in Jesus. Why is that? It's a choice. But you've chosen the right path, yeah. you know. And when things bother him, when he needs something, he prays about it. Sometimes he says, I'm tired of praying. Yeah. I'm praying about this thing for so many months and God has not answered. 
I said, why are you weary? You can't be weary. Because he always answers. And then when he sees the answer to it, yes, Jesus answered me. Finally. Is he paying for a private jet? <laughs> oh my God, that boy has lots on his list. <laughs> you know, there was time my mother was, my mother was trusting God for a job. And, and then we carry them along with what is going on in the house. We don't say because it's small, he doesn't mm. know what's going on. Mm. Right now that he needs a job, he needs, we need to pray about it. And then he's away. He has an interview today. <laughs> and he's praying about it. Mm. So imagine when he finally, he was so happy. Mm. He danced mm. and danced and said, Jesus truly answers my prayer. Mm. So we make it look like, you know, you are important to God just mm. like that. So I can imagine there was a day he told me that, um, why are you telling me what to do? I said, how? He said, you have got to Son, I'm God. You're God's child. I'm God's child. We are the same. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! So he, 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 both of them, they have this. They, you know. So most importantly, what I tell them is, you are light. Huh. You represent Jesus. My daughter says, I'm light. I can't. I, I can't do everything that every other person does because I bring light to where I go. Yeah. So we break it down to the minutest details. As much as God empower has been empowering us, you know, it's it's beyond just praying, 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 reading your Bible, reading your Bible, reading your Bible. You know, all those things that we mm-hmm. felt was the Christian way. Mm-hmm. But it's about um, what you actually do on a day-to-day basis. What you do? What do you do? Right now, do you think what you did glorified Jesus? He said no. Well, God is, even though God is, might not be happy with what he did, but he loves you regardless. So we have those, you know, those conversations. Like, I, you know, I, I said earlier that I was going to have this long conversation with them every night. So, yeah, it just basically reflects. And they also, and they also see you do it. They are not saying, yeah, Kai Bible, be going to church, I'll meet you there. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. of us grew up like that. Yeah. Be going to church, I'll meet you there. <laughs> and it looks like a chore but it's not a chore it's just what we evolve into okay alright so I want to ask like a practical question now have you guys ever had this encounter where you know in this world, this place that we are living and you know you see maybe a kid that is swearing out or maybe if you're on a bus or something and you know things that are sort of different from your values the values you have given your own child or seeing like the teenager smoke and things like that how have you been able to handle if you've had any practical experience those those situations where your child is exposed to certain culture and behavior that you know that it's not what you want them to imbibe but you can't you can't protect them from it either so what what Mm. are the steps you've taken you know or if you had an experience what did you do yeah. So um when when we hear someone say something naughty, which we won't call something naughty, you know, far language and all that. Tony herself, you know, says to you that oh mom, we shouldn't say that, you know, because she knows that, you know, it's wrong. So usually mm-hmm. when if I'm ever outside and somebody says something, she's the one who tells me that mom, somebody said a word I cannot repeat, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. What I cannot repeat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so that happens. But for instance, with smoking, I know my husband had a discussion with her about what smoking does, you know. Mm. But we don't judge people who smoke we don't mm-hmm. as bad people or something because that's also important. What you're talking yeah. about, moral superiority, and then yes. 
they believe that they are good and then the whole rest of the world is bad. That also yeah. is a so you know, I know he said to her that you know this thing is not good for people's health. It makes them very poorly, they're very unwell when they grow up and all that. So she she sort of knows that. But what she used to do was when we see someone smoking, maybe we'll go to the shop, someone coming out and someone is smoking outside. So you say, Oh mom, look at that man is smoking, he's gonna become very poorly when he's old. And they put <laughs> even here. So I had to then say to her that you're going to embarrass them by, you know, by saying that to their hearing. Mm -hmm. There are many things you just think it, but you don't say it. So really, she because <laughs> we had those discussions, you know. So when she when she sees someone doing something wrong, she's the one that will tell you, oh, mom, I saw someone do something, you know, to you. And you're like, oh, you know, that's naughty, right? But she understands that, you know, we've told her that, you know, people are allowed to do whatever they want to do. These their choices. Right. But these mm -hmm. choices have consequences that are not good. Yeah. And so far, yeah, how about you? That's, that's what I know. Okay. How about you, Tokwe? Oh, well, um, the world is full of things you can't control. Yep. So <laughs> I remember a, a very perfect example. We, we, we went to zoo a while back. And then he said he heard someone use the F word. Mm. And he stored it in his memory till about four months down the line, and he used it one day, and I was blown into bits. <laughs> Where did you hear that? He didn't say what. Then eventually said that day that I went to this, I was oh, what? <laughs> that was such a long time ago. So these uh, things happen, yeah, and we don't die because yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot, ask, you cannot, ex you cannot expect perfection, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, we, of course, you had a, you did, but you know, you was why did you use that word? Say that they were just upset, and if every every other thing in his head just disappeared, and that was the only word that came to him. I said, ah. <laughs> so we just talk about these things. Yeah. So what strange word did you hear today? Is it right? You're not supposed to use such. You know. I said okay, okay. I know, I know. I'm sorry. God, delete it from my head. God, delete it. <laughs> I was just laughing because, of course, I was upset at first. But then he now said, "God, delete it from my head." <laughs> just started laughing. Yeah, so yeah. those are the things, and then we talk about it. We are okay. Yes, people do it. Like you know, a couple of our of our neighbors they smoke. And, hey, let me see that person is smoking. Smoking is very bad for you. I said very bad. <laughs> but people have choices, and they made their choices, <laughs> and there's nothing we can do about it. These things we can't shoot the ones we could. I had to change this daycare at some point because I felt no way there are so many negative influences here, mm. and it goes and comes. But this person said this word to me, that person said that word to me every time. I, I said, You know what, God, you have to make your way, you have to make your way. We have to change this, even though the daycare was convenient, it was close to the school, they will pick him up, I'll pick him up. It was so convenient, but we had to make that decision to change him. So we, we, as much as it's within our power, we put a change to it. But the ones that are not within our power, we talk about it and, and we leave it there. Human beings have choices. You make your choice, you make theirs. There's something you can do. Yeah, yep. Right, right, right. Okay, so the final, final, final question is basically about our language, yeah? So are you, are you one of those parents that you like, you, you want your kids to be able to speak Yoruba or speak whatever language you guys speak? Have you, and how have you been able to, you know, incorporate that into you people's day-to-day -day living? Let me start with Tokwe. Oh, yes. I love, 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 <laughs> love it. I speak a lot of Yoruba at home. My daughter is learning a lot of Yoruba now. Mommy, what? They speak to me Yoruba when they wake up in the morning. Eka aroma. 
<laughs> you know, we went somewhere. We went for a service like on Sunday, and the pastor suddenly started praying in Yoruba. My daughter was saying, "Ami Jesus." Ami Jesus. <laughs> they were so shocked. Like, ah, she was saying, "Ami Jesus." I said, "Because you know, we try to incorporate it. There are some Yoruba languages on on YouTube mm. that they make them learn. Mm. And my husband is so hands on. Sometimes we write it down and tell them to read it and." <laughs> learn all the letters the numbers in yoruba and i'm just like how oh, did you learn all of this yesterday when i go my daughter said mommy i know the meaning of cold water Omi tutu. <laughs> <laughs> i was just laughing mm, that's nice. you know so we tried it it was that's it was a, we had to sit down to talk about it. i said you know what i want these kids to learn another language mm. and that thing we are trying to teach them is pigeon it might be funny mm. but we are trying mm-hmm. <laughs> so my my son says a lot of you go, you go, now so, now so. <laughs> but you know, I just trying to let them know that you can't forget your roots, mm. and it's especially important when you go outside and you just want to say, "To bakrum bang in this and they just immediately conform. <laughs> so they don't know so much, but at least when you communicate with them in your body, they have a vague idea what you're talking about, and they try to do yeah. it. Yeah. And then they try to say it back. At least they know the basic, a car or a she, um, you know, all those small, small ones. Mm. It's just mm. a deliberate decision. Yeah. Deliberate, very deliberate. Why, what was your own reason for wanting them to learn it? So at first it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I wasn't even thinking about it until okay. I realized that Chinese people, Indians, they owe their culture so yeah. much. You know, well, I go yeah. to the library a lot and then I see China, they never speak one English. Right. They go to the they go to the library, they pick up they pick up uh, Chinese books and they read. Those kids must read. And I realize that they are they, I think they are better conformed, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you see those kids, just their mother says, and you see them bring they bring they they, 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 they do a lot of library trips you see the, those small families they might be extreme to it but you know we mm. pick one or two lessons that we can and then yeah. you see those kids they will sit down for an hour five year old i'm like my child can never sit down for an hour reading for what <laughs> you, mm. and then i told you myself know, that you, you know, know what it takes for a uh, chinese to drink it with martial arts and all those things they know how to do all those dedication and, and they things. do it <laughs> yeah and they do it yeah. so i feel it gives them a sense of belonging yeah. you know mm. beyond just speaking english these kids grow up too and they want to associate and then mm. they just suddenly become an outsider Right. Yeah. Of right. course, yeah. the the choice is theirs when they grow up if they want to speak it or not. But at least they have an understanding and they, they can and they can. And right. the world is actually becoming global. You know, we can't limit ourselves and say just one language. Right. It's just one. It's just only English. It's gonna help ultimately. Yeah. So Probably. for me, that was it was that that en- encounter with those Chinese family. I said, oh no, we have to start something. <laughs> okay. How about you, Ronke? Yeah. I mean. I am also a fan of, you know, promoting um, promoting language, you know, to sustain culture. And really, we've just, we started late, to be honest, because even my husband and I, we're both Yoruba, but we tend to speak a lot of English to ourselves at home, which is not very helpful. <laughs> but, you know, about a year ago, we realized that, no, <clears throat> you know, you could be speaking to Sonia in Yoruba, and then she would say, why are you speaking funny? Or she would say, why are you talking like that for? <laughs> So we need that. Oh, there's fire on the mountain. <laughs> <We need to laughs> <do something. laughs> 
thankfully <laughs> you know sorry to cut you okay i had that experience uh, before we started i went to pick my son from school and i said Baba, get your color. Say, mom that's so embarrassing what i said from today that language is embarrassing you speak, speak it, it. <laughs> you know so we and con- so we started you know trying to say a few words so oh, this is hello this is you know good morning and all that and then coincidentally in fact just arranged by god a friend of mine owns a charity and they were trying to raise money and decided that they were going to do some yoga classes yeah you know close to us on sundays which wasn't the time wasn't convenient but we decided we we're going to put our kids there you know they'll go every sunday and that's just been amazing because for some reason because the kids say they saw it as a a social thing for them because they will see other kids and their friends and they'll play. You got them mm-hmm. really interested in Yoruba and every word they would say, Mommy, what does this mean in Yoruba? And nice. so since we started, I mean, now with the lockdown, we've not been having it. But another friend now has now recently started a class on a Zoom class on Instagram. I know a Zoom class, on, yeah, a Zoom class um, every week also on Wednesdays. So these classes are keeping them really, really interested because now it's like fun. Learning mm. Yoruba is, is now fun for them. <laughs> nice. And is any of you like um, also training them in other languages aside from English and Yoruba? Ah, no. Tony, Tony <laughs> I mean, not even like because I don't have the time, but Tony certainly <laughs> got interested in Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. And then she's going to she's going to teach herself Spanish. And then she just said um she wants to learn Spanish. And coincidentally, my she was saying it to me on a call and my cousin was like, Oh, there's an app. And I downloaded the app and she's doing it, she's been doing it every day by herself. For about Are you serious? For about a month <laughs> now. Every day, learning new words in Spanish. And I'm not contributing to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't add that to the list oh my goodness thank you guys for your time thank you for coming thank mm. you for showing up this has been and so thank amazing you. <laughs> thank you for gi- giving us all juice <laughs> <laughs> all right so thank amazing. you all right thank you very much thank yeah you.